Oh, Crossing fam, I'm so glad you guys made it today. Happy New Year. I know at some of our locations we probably should have had a little hair of the dog out in the lobby for some of you, but we are glad you're here in whatever condition you arrived in. Before we get into the sermon, I want to take just a little bit of time and I just want to pray for you. I know that right now there are some of you, you are in the middle of a pretty challenging season. Some of you are coming out of a pretty challenging season. But I also know that there are some of you all across this region who 2023 is going to have a lot of situations and a lot of challenges for you to navigate. And those challenges could be all across the spectrum. They could be financial. They could be occupational. Um, some of them are going to be relational. It's going to be issues going on in your marriage or struggles inside of your parenting. Some of you, you're going to have to navigate uh, the painful loss of loved ones or the loss of jobs or maybe even the loss of dreams. And in all of those moments, uh, I want to remind you of what I said during our Christmas Eve services. This is something that as Christians, not only do we get to cling to and we must cling to, but it's also a truth that we can distribute. Uh, one of the names of Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. What that means is no matter what you're in the middle of right now, uh, no matter what you're coming out of or going into, in fact, no matter what 2023 throws your way, I want you to have this promise to cling to. God is with you. He's not going to abandon you. He is there to guide you, to direct you, if you have the courage to follow him. And so even though we don't know what lies ahead, we know who's going to be with us no matter what we face. And I just want to pray that over all of you before we jump into the sermon. Would you guys pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for hearing us. I am amazed at your ability to simultaneously be with all of us who are struggling and hurting and sorrowful and how you are able to mourn with us as we mourn. And at the same time, you are able to rejoice with those of us who are rejoicing and celebrating and in a period of thanksgiving. And God, I, I know that there are thousands of stories and complicated situations represented inside of the sound of my voice. I know that this upcoming year is going to have mountaintops and it's going to have valleys. And God, I pray that you would help us to remember that you are always with us. That you would give us the wisdom to seek you out and the courage to follow your direction. And God, that we would take the sense of comfort that we have from you and that we would point other people to it. In your name I pray, amen. I want to welcome those of you joining uh, here in Quincy at our 48th Street and 929 campuses. Those of you in Macomb and Kirksville and Pike County and Hannibal and Lima, Mount Sterling, Keokuk, Monmouth, Jacksonville, online and inside. This, uh, I began last year with a sermon series called There Has to Be a Place. And I received a lot of encouraging emails and uh, 
I, I got a lot of comments and messages. I even had someone design a There Has to Be a Place hoodie, and they sent it to a bunch of us. And um, I was going to wear it this weekend, but when I was doing laundry, which I do all the time, I, um, I may have shrunk it, and I didn't want to be the uh, hairy belly button midriff pastor, and so I just I decided to, to leave that at home. But there were so many things inside of that sermon series that I didn't get to say, things that I wanted to, we just didn't have time for, and so many things that we didn't get, a ch- that I want a chance for us just to kind of review, that we decided that we were going to just start off this year with There Has to Be a Place 2.0. And uh, for years, our church has been governed and committed to uh, a series of statements um, that are very specialist. We call them our core values. They dictate um, the sermon series we do, what we preach, how we preach, what our worship services look like, how we deploy our resources and engage in initiatives, and how we staff our different environments And for some of you, this is going to be brand new information, and this is important, because it'll give you a chance to peek into the heart of this church. For some of you, you've been here for a really long time, this is going to be a great opportunity for you to kind of review, reflect, and maybe re-engage. And so I want to spend just a little bit of time with you today kind of talking about the heartbeat of the crossing. One of our core values, in fact, our first core value is outward. We will do whatever it takes to reach people who are far from Jesus. We unapologetically prioritize those we are trying to reach over those we are trying to keep. That is a hard statement to say because it comes with real pain. A casual trip to the grocery store by many of our staff And aisle after aisle, you're going to interact with somebody who used to be a part of our church. And we could have made changes at our church to keep them. But we unapologetically prioritize those we are trying to reach over those we are trying to keep. Hear me. That does not mean we don't love you. Oh, we love you. We just love your unsaved friends and family more. And there has to be a place that is committed to the mission of Jesus. Jesus said, I have come to seek and save that which was lost. It's not the healthy that need a doctor, but the sick. There has to be a church. And you're gonna be thankful we're this kind of church. When your girlfriend wants to start going to church somewhere, or your grandkids want to come to church somewhere, or your boss is looking for a place to go to church, you're going to be excited when it's your friend, your family member sitting next to you that this place is dedicated to helping people find that relationship with Jesus Christ and a place to point them when they start asking spiritual questions. Uh, Second one is downward. We will gladly give up the things we love for a future generation we love even more. In fact, we're so committed to this. Last year, we revamped our 0 to 18 ministries. We rebranded under uh, this gen. This gen is now, not next. We don't want them to get serious about their faith and start participating in the mission of Jesus when they're 40. We want them to start when they're 4 and 14 and 24 
And so we are going to strategically aim our church towards younger people. Now, old people, and you, you identify, okay? You know you're old when you start saying, I'm young at heart. That's when you know you're old, okay? <laughs> well, I'm young at heart. Hear me, listen, I got gray in my beard, okay? We're fam, okay? This does not mean we don't love you. We love you deeply. But let me ask you this question. Is there anything more important to you than your kids? Is there anything more important to you than your grandkids? What I'm saying when our church is downward is we want to come alongside of you to help you reach the people that are the most important to you, to help them develop the skills and the faith for them to be able to navigate the mission of Christ and life with Christ earlier rather than later. How many of you, you took an awful lot of stupid pills between 16 and 36? We would like to reduce the amount of stupid pill intake in your family tree. And I think you'd want to partner with us in that journey. Um, it was Jesus who said, let the little children come unto me and do not hinder them. And sometimes you're going to get frustrated because the way we do church and the way it manifests itself isn't necessarily always to your liking. And you're going to go, why can't we, you know, one of the places where people like to pick at is worship. Now let me be clear, I love all of our worship people at all of our worshipy locations, but I have I have music preferences too, and sometimes we lose people out the back door of our church because of the worship that we do in our auditoriums, and I get it, but there has to be somebody who's willing to try and make sure that there's a worship service that younger people can engage in. One of my biggest regrets growing up was my parents uh, didn't go to a church that had uh, what I would call a, a staff compliment. And so I grew up without a Christian social network. I didn't have any what I would call Christian social peer pressure. I, I had more of a drink this, smoke this crowd than a read this, pray this crew. I think your life and my life would have both been better we had some of these people in our lives. I, I, I wish I had somebody. My parents are good, godly people. I wish I had somebody other than my parents to talk to. Because do you remember that period in your life when you didn't want to talk to your parents about what was going on in your head and heart? Yeah. Some of you are like, actually, I feel like that's where we're living right now. Yeah. And sometimes it's nice to have somebody come alongside of you as a parent and help you navigate what's going on in your kids and someone to come alongside of your kids when maybe you're not the voice that they're wanting to lean into. We need to be a church that creates an opportunity for that to take place, and every single one of us has a part to play, whether that's contributing at a high level on Super Bowl weekend, when we open up camp signups, or when we give you guys an opportunity to give generously to creating scholarships so that no kid is turned away, or whether you come alongside of our next-gen team and you try to become a part of the pastoral team to the over 1,500 kids who walk inside the crossing every single week. Another one of our core values is relevant. We will do fresh things in fresh ways to reach people no one else is reaching. There are going to be times when we start things up, change things up, and shut things down. We will do this for the express purpose of making sure that our church doors do not become a time machine. 
where it is 2023 outside and 1983 on the inside. I was talking about worship earlier. And, you know, there's some of you, you have, you have your opinions on worship. I, I remember when um, Andre Harper, who's my, my brother-in-law, uh, we met Andre on the mission field, and then my sister just kind of put him in her carry-on and brought him, brought him back with us. And um, so he's sitting up in Macomb, front row, right next to me, and he's worshiping the music. And, I mean, he's, you know, he's from Jamaica, so he was clapping on beat, which was like a new thing for Macomb. And... Uh, and, and we're singing our, you know, white Christian music, and he's just up there getting down with it. And I, I turned to him, and I'm like, Andre, you don't know a single one of these songs. How do you, you guys have heard me tell this story before. How, how are you able to worship? And this was back when he was way cooler than he is now, because he had like this thick Jamaican accent. Clayton Munn, okay? He's, and he said, I'm a Christian. I can worship anywhere, okay? And that's interesting. Doesn't that make sense? That the more mature you are in Christ, the less it has to be about you to be able to worship him. And maybe our deep affections for our spiritual preferences is actually giving away our lack of spiritual maturity away. Look, I'm an old school person at heart. At my first church, I preached the sermon, I did the communion, I led the worship, and I did the Sunday school class. And there was a little old lady with a humpback who played the piano, and I would ask her to change the key to put it in my range. She didn't do it or know how to, I don't know. And we just sang what she played. And I love, I do, there are certain hymns that mean a great deal to me. There's times when I am writing a sermon and I write my sermon with the Gaithers on repeat. And those of you who don't know the Gaithers are, I'm glad you love the crossing, okay? That's why we do what we do. Because if we were running my play, listen to me, we would not create an environment where I would wanna bring my own friends. Right? I want when you get in your car or you're listening to music on your phone that what you are hearing in your car and what you're hearing on your phone is what you are participating with on a, on a weekend. Uh, this year, we're gonna be doing some things with sermons and technology and create a greater sense of engagement and learning in our time together. And some of these times, we're gonna get it right and sometimes we're gonna get it wrong. And if we screw it up, I'm gonna apologize to you. Um, Sometimes we're going to take it too far. And I just need you to hear me say this so that way you're not surprised. I've predecided I would rather be a church that takes it too far than a church that doesn't take it far enough. Amen. Uh, that's like in my heart. Um, I got an incredible rebuke email about three weeks ago. I'm going to do a sermon on confrontation at some point. It was the best confrontation ever. And she's like, this is what you did that was wrong. And you know what I said? You're exactly right. I'm incredibly sorry. When we screw it up, we'll admit it. But I just want you to know that we are predisposed to try and do everything we can to make a difference for Jesus. Innovate. We will take big faith-filled risks and never insult God with small thinking and safe living. We've taken some big faith-filled risks here at the crossing. And we've had unbelievably major wins, like miracles in our midst. And we've also had devastating losses. I talked about this last year. 
I remember when we shut our Paducah campus down. Those of you who maybe haven't been here for a while, we used to have a, a crossing location in Paducah, Kentucky. And it just wasn't, it just wasn't working. We were trying everything we knew how to try, and people just weren't coming. And so we shut it down. And I remember being catalyzed in my heart that day that I would rather be a church that launches a campus to try and reach people and later has to shut it down than be a church that never tries, never take risks, and has a perfect track record. When we get to heaven, I'm gonna be the first one in line going, God, why didn't this work out? And there's gonna be times where it's frustrating because we spent time and talents and, and money to make something happen. And I just need you to hear me say, when we do something, my time and my talents and my money will be some of the very first invested in whatever it is we're doing. And if we miss it, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask him why, just like you did. But I would rather take what I have and try and make as big of a difference for God as I possibly can than go, boy, I just don't know. Because not all seed that is planted takes root. God has called you and I to sow seed and to water seed. But we know this, God is the one who supplies the growth. This year, we were able to partner, uh, make a, have a strategic partnership with Connect. You've heard me talk about this ministry before. Maybe some of you have bought the sweatshirt. I hope in the coming years to expand their ministry offering and become the go-to place for people who need help and people who are hurting. Uh, I remember being scared about the sermon series Weeds in My Garden and going, are we gonna preach this church to zero with the 12 weeks on mental health? Or are we gonna have to shut it down halfway through? It was a big faith-filled risk for us to step into those waters. And on the backside, you just see how God moved. In fact, this weekend across the country, multiple churches are actually doing the very same sermon series and blessing their people. We must refuse to have a scarcity mindset that we should believe that God is worthy of big, beautiful risks. And if we screw it up, I'm gonna tell you I'm sorry. If we, make, if we miss it, I'm gonna go, yep, we could have done that one better. But I also promise that we will continue to try and take risks for Jesus. Next one, make leaders. We will develop leaders who honor God and inspire people and they will change the world. There's so much I wanna say about this. I, I wanna exponentially increase this in the future. I wanna do more than just double down, triple down, or quadruple down, but that's gonna take a, a lot of time. But in the meantime, we need to give people a place to play and learn and grow and develop as leaders. Uh, you guys have done this for me. I mean, I used to be super cool with long hair and my ears pierced, and then I got a speeding ticket, and well, I lost my hair, and now my wife won't let me grow back. You're stuck, okay? We're, neither one of us are happy with how I look. Um, this year, I'm gonna be coaching a group of 20 guys on helping them become even more strategic leaders and pastors. We're gonna continue to give young people a place to lead and take ground for God. What that means is sometimes you're gonna be in an environment and you are gonna wish that there was somebody older, wiser, more put together, and someone with, more, with different fashion sense than the person that is in front of you. And I'm right there with you. I wish you guys had that too. But uh, 
Where else would you want young people to lead and deploy their talents than in the church and on behalf of God? Timothy, if you was a young man who was the pastor in Ephesus, and for those of you who are Bible nerds, you're like, yeah, that's sketchy. For those of you who don't know, let me put it in different terms. It'd be like you sending your high school kid to go be a pastor on the Las Vegas Strip. And God used Timothy and blessed Timothy and a beautiful church grew out of that place. David was just a boy when he killed Goliath. We believe that young people can do great things for God. We believe that people have a part to play and that you can participate in it. It means you don't have to go to Bible college for four years to be a pastor at our church and that you can learn on the go if you have a heart that's willing to be surrendered to the Lord. And so maybe instead of critiquing, we could be a church that does a really good job of coaching and cheering them on because they might be the people that reach the people that are your people. Next one, grow. We will never stop measuring, changing, and moving for growth because nothing matters more to God than people. We want to have a laser focus on leveraging everything in our power to join God in his saving work. There has to be a place that is committed to reaching, growing, baptizing, and discipling the very people that Jesus died for. This is why we started a marriage retreat center, gave away money at our Super Bowl last year to school activities, expanded our uncommon offering to multiple states. For the last 18 months, we've been working on how to uh, provide a staff complement at all of our locations to increase our ability to effectively pastor our communities. And that's why we've started to launch our In Your Corner initiatives, which you're gonna hear way more about that in the coming weeks. Last one, we are one. The church is the hope of the world, and we can accomplish infinitely more together than apart. Our locations are where we gather. That's where we hang out. But that is not the church. You're the church. And you're the church. And you're the church. And I'm a part of the church. And when you and I take what we have been given and collectively put them in the hands of God, there is no telling what he will do. And we do all of these things because here at The Crossing, we are consumed with this mission statement. To help people find an intimate, personal relationship with Jesus Christ. This might be the secret sauce of The Crossing. This might be the one thing we do so right that God blesses all the other things that we do wrong. That's why in almost every single sermon, you should hear us talk about it. That's why when we land the plane, which is what we call the, after we say we're moving to a time of decision, your campus pastor's talking to you or I'm talking to you, during that plane landing moment, every single week, you should hear a campus pastor or somebody talk about it. And if you don't, call us on it. If you don't hear it, I want you ticked. I don't want this to be a standard that we as a staff or we as elders carry, I want it to be a standard that we as a church collectively commit ourselves to, that we will be a place that talk about the life-saving, life-changing gospel work that Jesus did on our behalf. I don't want you to be going, I'm kind of glad we took a weekend off. Because I know, I get it. Uh, Some of you, you've heard it so many times, you tune it out. 
And some of you, uh, you've heard it so many times, you're like, do we have to do it every single week? I had a person come up to me in Macomb uh, when I was the campus pastor there and say, I mean, do we have to talk about it every week? And uh, good answer. And uh, uh, I was, you know, I wasn't as wise as I am now in how I handled it. But let me, I get it. You've heard it before. And you might have heard it a hundred times. But what you need to understand is we've looked at the numbers. Every single weekend, at almost every single service, at almost every single location, somebody is hearing it for the first time. And for you, it's old hat. But for, for them, it is water in the desert. It is good news to their situation. Furthermore, while you might get tired of us saying it, you'll be sitting on the edge of your seat waiting for us to say it when you bring your friend and your family member. And maybe the reason you're getting tired of that three-minute pitch in the sermon is because you haven't brought someone who needed to hear it in a really long time. So, and I mean, you can be as spiritual as you want to be. I'm going to love you anyway. Can I encourage you that maybe instead of being ticked during that part of the sermon and going, oh my goodness, not the gospel message about Jesus coming on my behalf again. (laughs) If that's okay. That you would maybe do, just pray. God, I remember when I first heard it and I know what it changed in, in my life. God, if there's somebody in this room that has never heard it, would you give them ears to hear and a heart that's ready to receive it? That would be a really good, like, super mature response. But you do you. And you might be going, but Clayton, I mean, this is where we live. You know, how do people, you know, not know Jesus? Um, But in all of our communities, there are people on this spiritual continuum. Minus fives all the way to plus fives. Like if zero is where you meet Jesus, there's people that we need to help find Jesus. People who hate God, hate church, hate you. They're all on here. And then there's you and your grandma over here on the plus fives. You're like four-star Christians. You're getting ready to be, you know, made a general. And we as a church, you and, 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 and me, we have a responsibility to everybody on this spiritual continuum. We have this responsibility. And you might be going, but Clayton, there's like nobody over here in our area. And you'd think that. Um, You know, Jerry's talked about this before. Like, churches of our size exist in big cities. When you go to hang out with these other pastors, you're talking to them. Like, where are you from? Like, I'm from Nashville. And where are you from? Oh, well, I'm from Chicago. Where are you from? Oh, I'm from Miami. Where are you from? I'm from Jacksonville. Where are you from? I'm from Dallas. Where are you from? I'm from Louisville. Then they go, where are you from? We're like um, Quincy, Kirksville, Hannibal, Macomb, Keokuk, Mount Stone. Where's that? In between Chicago and St. Louis, <laughs> next to the corn and the Chevy trucks. That's where we're at. And uh, you would think, you would think that everybody around us knows Jesus. You'd think when there's a McDonald's in every town and you can get fed through your drive-thru window 
and as long as we've had the gospel message that everybody around us knows Jesus. But I did some digging in the most recent statistics that I could find. Is, uh, to make it super clear, think of it as a, there's, a, there's nuns and there's non-nuns. And when I say nuns, I don't mean little old ladies who work at the Catholic Church. I mean people who have no religious affiliation at all. None. And then there's non-nuns, people like you. And when they were identified in our regions, these are people who go to the Baptist church, the, the Catholic church, the Methodist church, the Presbyterian church, the Christian church, the Assembly of God church. These are all the non-nuns. And who knows how many people who go, yeah, I'm one of those, actually have an intimate personal relationship with Jesus. I'm not judgy, I'm just saying, whatever. But then there's a whole group of people that call themselves nuns. They're none of those. And in Adams County, that's 14,000 people, 22%. That means if you live in Adams County and you go to Walmart and you get out of your car, that's one, that's you. And then the person who's pushing the carts, that's two. And the person checking you out is three. The next person you run into does not know Jesus. And that happens on every single aisle as you shop. If you're in McDonough County, 20,000 people, 62% of the population. That means that when you're in the drive-through at Wendy's, every other car does not have a relationship with Jesus. They're a, a nun. In Adair County, it's 14,000 people, 57% of the population. Pike County, 9,000 people, or 58% of the population. Marion County, Missouri, four, or 11,000, or 40% of the population. Brown County, 4,000 people, or 56% of the population. Lee County, Iowa, where I grew up, 17,000 people, or 50% of the population. Warren County is 10,000 people, or 43% of the population. And Morgan County is 18,000, or 51% of the population. And those are just the communities where we have a crossing location. That is not a comprehensive list of all of the counties from where people come to attend one of our locations. You heard me say this last year, my prayer is to make this. All 10,795 square miles, the hardest place on planet Earth to get to hell from. And on the average, 50% of the people in all of our communities have no hope for tomorrow. No help for today. And there needs to be a place that says not on our watch. That there would be kids that would grow up and their testimony would be there was this group of people who were a part of this church that were committed to reaching my parents and committed to help me grow in my relationship with the Lord and my family is all the better for it. And in order to do that, there has to be a place that makes Jesus' last words their first priority. They take the last words of Jesus and they make them their first priority. Matthew chapter 28. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit 
and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This has to be a place where not just the elders, not just the pastors, not just the staff, but all of us make our highest priority Jesus' last words, that I exist, my time, my talents, my resources exist to help people begin and live out an intimate personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Well, what does it look like when there's a place dedicated to those core values? Well, let me tell you what can happen. Hello, I was an inmate in Vandalia, Missouri I was released from the Missouri Department of Corrections, MODOC, on July 21st, 2022. I want to take a little bit of your time to tell you thank you. Thank you to the amazing people who came to Vandalia every Monday night and allowed us to hear God's word and guidance through the voices of the pastors. You all saved my heart, mind, and soul. You helped me so very much by helping me to reach out to God for help. I was an extremely broken, shattered person from the life choices I had made and from the cards that were dealt to me. I still remember the first time I went to service in 2019. I liked the service so much but was only able to attend two services because I was transferred to another facility. But when I came back the fourth time to Vandalia, COVID was going on and you were not allowed on the campus. But in November of 2021, they allowed you back and when I was asked, by another offender about the service, I was like, why not? Nothing better to do on a Monday night. The first service was, and of course, amazing, with the music, the sermon, and the communion. I liked it enough, I decided that I was gonna keep going to the service on Mondays, because I was always told, don't give up on the miracle, because you never know when it'll occur. I've had a very roller coaster relationship with Jesus, ever since my mother was murdered in 1999 when I was 17 years old. At 41 years old, I made a decision to continue to attend your church. I have no idea exactly when it happened, but the band played Battle Belongs, and I knew something was happening because I got cold chills and my eyes filled up with tears. Let me explain why that's important. I have not cried tears of any type since 1999. I was hardened when my mother passed away in 99, and 20 years later in 2019, I was completely frozen. My heart and soul ceased to exist when one, the one person in my life who had raised me and believed in me, my grandmother, passed away six days after I was released from the first time from MODOC. Then in July of 2019, six months after my grandmother died, my best friend Brittany passed away from an overdose. That was the final straw. I froze everything in me so I would never in my life have to feel the pain of a truly broken heart. Obviously, I don't deal well with emotions, so what tricks does the devil give us to stop the feelings of a broken heart? Well, he gave us crystal meth, cocaine, heroin, and now fentanyl. I fell for those tricks, and when my heart broke back in 1999, the devil's tricks actually worked for the physical pain because I was numb. So my choice every time I was hurting would be to turn to drugs over and over. I was definitely living a life of insanity. This past year when I was locked up, I decided I was done with the drugs and I was finally ready to remove all the negativity inside my heart and soul. I turned to the crossing sermons on Monday nights as a stepping stone. 
At first, I thought nobody could possibly understand and relate to the extreme pain and hurt that was frozen inside of me, screaming to be released, but I had frozen it. Then all of a sudden, I felt him. I felt God run through my veins, and my heart started to beat with hope and faith, and then came the tears. When I realized I had never been alone, he has always been with me. The footprints prayer that people talk about, it describes me. He has carried me all these years because I, didn't, because I couldn't walk on my own, because I was so broken and shattered. Now, at 41 years old, for the first time, I picked up a Bible and I read it. I've always heard of the story of Jesus' birth and death, but to actually sit there and read Matthew and Mark and Luke and John opened my eyes and heart to what Jesus really did for me, for all of us. I even watched the History Channel show Easter weekend called The Bible, and I cried. I cried real tears as I watched what he was put through so that my sins could be forgiven. Everything that happened since I got locked up in 2021, I don't believe would have happened if I had not decided to go to the sermons in November. As I stated before you and your sermons kicked off my, uh, kicked, started my intimate, or they kick-started my intimate personal relationship with God. I now not only know, but believe 100% that God is big, or that nothing is bigger than God and that I am never alone. He is always there. I just have to make the choice to listen, to open up my heart and soul and listen for his guidance and love to embrace me. So again, thank you. Hopefully, with my openness and acceptance of Jesus as my Lord and Savior, I will never have to go back through the doors of Modoc. All I want in life is true happiness and peace and serenity between my ears when I close my eyelids. I have faith it will all occur and definitely plan to continue watching your services online. I now live in St. Charles, Missouri, so it's a long drive for me to come to Quincy. But one day, when I have a driver's license and a legal vehicle, <laughs> I love that. There's nothing more crossing than that line right there. I will be there at the crossing and I will be baptized, declaring my surrender, love, hope, faith, and belief that Jesus is my savior and died so I could live in heaven with him. I can almost promise that if it had not been for the crossing in Vandalia, I would have gone back to my old life of drugs, misery, hopelessness, praying that when my eyelids or my eyes shut that they would never open again. Now I smile, I'm happy, I love life again. I laugh and everything is genuine, not fake, and it's all because they were brought into my life. I pray that you receive this and it puts a smile on your face because you have helped save a soul that was lost and dying in misery all alone. Everyone I talk to since I got out say they love how happy and full of faith I am, which would not have been happened if you had not guided me back to Jesus and to God, sending you love and prayers to each of you crossing family. There has to be a place that takes this seriously. And I say it's here. I say it's with us. And I say it's now. We're moving to a time of decision. So if you're here, and you've never started an intimate personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you're gonna hear me say something 
like this every single week when you come. And about every six weeks, I'm going to give you the same pitch I'm going to give you right now. Because it's just true for me. The greatest decision I ever made was making Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of my life. And my biggest regret is I didn't do it sooner. And that's not just my testimony. That is the testimony of hundreds of people in this room. And I know you might be going, but Clayton, I'm pretty jacked up. I'm pretty messed up. I just want you to know we get it. So are the people that are sitting in the same row with you. If you knew their story, you might not want to sit by them. But it's amazing what God can do to a, to a heart and to a soul and to a life. I know that there's times when you look at yourself in the mirror and you're like, man, why am I still like this? I still have so far to go. But there are other times when you, you find yourself and you're going, where did this come from? This is, this is not who I used to be. And it's because not only does he give you a new heart, but he, he introduces things that only God can introduce into your life. And some things happen immediately, and other things take time. But we serve a God who specializes in transforming people. I'm going to talk all about that next week. But I believe that there is nobody who's too far gone. And I don't know what situation you find yourself in today. I just know that God can redeem it. I know that God can redeem you. That's why he came. And maybe today's the day where you're finally like, yep, I'm going to start my intimate personal relationship with Jesus. I'm going to be obedient in the area of baptism. Or maybe today's the day where you're just going to be honest and go, I got some questions, and would somebody please answer them? And you can talk to me. You can talk to the person who's going to be right over by the baptistry. If you don't want to take my word for it, talk to somebody in this room that you see that you know. And say, tell me, how do I handle this? Or I have questions about. It's just silly to me that you would have those questions and not feel comfortable to at least ask them. Because I'll just tell you, it was the best decision for me. To the rest of you in the room, the Jesus followers, uh, I just want to level with you on a, on a couple things. And this year, who are some people that you want to take a spiritual responsibility for, spiritual ownership of? People that you're going to pray for on a regular basis. People that you're going to invite. People that you hope to have one day sitting next to you. Could we use this first service of the year to commit ourselves to being diligent in those matters, to seeking and saving those who are lost? Some of you might be going, I don't even have any people who, in my life that don't know Jesus then maybe that's where you start, is you need to start praying for some lost people. Maybe you start praying for your boss. Clayton, I don't like my boss. Yeah, maybe you should start praying for your boss because Jesus liked him so much he sent his son to die for him. Like, uh, what about my mother-in-law? Yeah, even, even her. What about my ex-wife? Even her. That we would be a people that would pray and invite. But Clayton, they're gonna have questions that I don't have answers to. Read your Bible, Google, and give me a call. Let's not be people that come up with excuses. 
Let's be people that come up with life-changing solutions, which is just pointing people to Jesus. Maybe you go over to the baptistry and put your hands in the water. Maybe you go somewhere around one of the walls. Maybe you want to just get down on your knees uh, where you're at, or maybe you want to come up here to the front. But could we just be people who commit to praying and reaching people who are far from Jesus, that we would, as individuals, hold the banner high, that this will be a place where people can find an intimate personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Our communities need it. Our families deserve it. Would you stand with me? God, this year, we wanna commit ourselves to you, to your purposes, to your glory, to your mission. And God, there's gonna be times when we're afraid, scared, worried, frustrated, ticked, mad, confused. And in those moments, God, help us to continue to push into your will and your purposes and your grace and your mercy on our lives. God, give us the courage and the ability to make decisions today that will reap spiritual fruit in the future. God, harden our resolve and our commitment to you. Soften our frustration and our fears with others. God, use us in a mighty and magnificent way. God, do something in this church in all of its different expressions, in all of its different communities. Do such a work in us and around us and through us that only you can get the glory. In your name I pray, amen.